0: Good evening, and welcome to our worship service here at Central Church of Christ. The first song that we'll sing this evening will be "Sing to Me of Heaven."
1: <clears throat> sing to me.
2: The song
0: before we go to our Father in prayer will be Father Along. Bow with a word of prayer to god dear heavenly father we come before you this evening thankful that we can assemble and thankful that we can come together and worship you dear lord we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us a day of very bright sunshine and good weather in this month of january dear lord uh, each day you share with us blessings like this one we're reminded of the light that comes even Times the light that is your Son Jesus Christ, who shared with this world that we may be better known uh, the characteristics and manifestations of you, and that, dear Lord, if we acknowledge your Son Jesus Christ as Savior of mankind, that we ourselves become sons and daughters of God. Dear Lord, we know that in this trying time there have been many things going on about us. That have been troubling and dear lord we know that by putting our faith in you that things can come can, can get better in time and that we too will be strong enough to make it through it dear lord we pray for those that are hurting that pray for those that are sick pray for the many around us that need your comfort at this time dear lord we pray that it that be thy will that you're able to heal them dear lord that you're able to make Um, many things better, and that with you all things are possible. Dear Lord, as we open tonight this worship service, we just lift up your name and honor it, and in all things praise you and your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. For our scripture reading and our sermon, we'll sing Victory in Jesus. I heard Scripture reading this evening is Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. You've heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect.
3: So good to be with you tonight. So glad to have this opportunity to share God's word with you. I am uh just so grateful for the, the six of us that are here tonight, um, for uh, uh, all the men who participate and make sure that, that things uh, go off so smoothly. I appreciate Will leading those songs. Um, it's, it's tough uh, right now to find uh, a lot of men who can serve, and Will has just been so uh, willing and able to do so many different things. Huston is here as well, Chig, and of course Mike and Clayton here as well. I'm grateful to be part of this congregation and I, and I owe this congregation a debt of thanks, uh, over the last several weeks, uh, about, uh, 10 days before Christmas, I guess, or, or maybe a little before that I was diagnosed with COVID and the outpouring of love for me and my family was just so overwhelming and you wrapped us in your arms, not physically, of course, cause that would have probably made you sick, but you loved us so much. And you sent us cards and phone calls, and you checked on us, and some of you sent us food and and gift cards to order food, and it just made me realize how blessed I am to be part of this loving family, and we're just so grateful and thankful to God for you. And I think about uh, later this year, what will be 17 years ago, that I came uh, wet behind the ears, 22-year-old, not knowing what I was getting into to work with the youth group here, and thinking about not even being able to to fathom the blessing that Central Church of Christ would be in my life. And I'm so glad to, to be here and be a part of this wonderful family, even when we can't be together. Before we start tonight, we do have a, a, a prayer request that we need to make known, um, an urgent prayer request. Um, we've been praying for Charlotte's great-grandson Bradley. Um, her one-year-old great-grandson who had been diagnosed with COVID. We now know that Bradley um, has been in Nicewanger Children's Hospital since Thursday with some swelling in his neck and it's not known, it's not for sure if that is related to the the COVID diagnosis or if that's something else Um, but Charlotte has asked us to pray for Bradley regardless and so we will do that as we open up our service this evening. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we know you are capable and powerful and, and able to do all things. And we come to you, Father, tonight on behalf of Charlotte and her great-grandson, Bradley, and the illness that he is fighting. And, and, and Father, we ask that you be with him and the doctors when it's a child that is hurting, it just seems to hurt our hearts even uh, even more and touch our lives even more. And this child who we really haven't had an opportunity to meet yet because of this COVID virus, Father, we ask that you be with him, that you keep him strong, that you be with the doctors who are working with him. And Father, we ask that you be with Charlotte and we ask that you be with Bradley's family as they are certainly, Uh, worried right now. We ask that you comfort them and give them peace and give them understanding during this time. Father, we ask that you heal Bradley, and we ask that you um, restore him to his health as soon as possible, if it's your will. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The highlight of that song, of course, is the amazing grace of God that he would send his only son to die on a cross for every man, woman, and child to endure that death when it should have been us. But that amazing grace wouldn't have been necessary if it weren't for the second half of that first verse. The line that says, that saved a wretch like me. And it saved a wretch like you. I wonder how many people would look back on the year 2020 and use the word wretched to describe aspects of their lives. Not saying that there was nothing good that could be found in 2020, but many of us lost a lot in 2020, didn't we? We lost jobs, we lost loved ones, we lost our health, we lost uh, all kinds of things, And, and some may have even lost or are in the process of losing their faith in 2020. Apart from God, I am a wretch. I am a wretch, and so are you. Apart from the grace of God, I am a lowly sinner pursuing my own wants and desires With no hope of a future outside of this life, I am a wretch. But praise God for his amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The grace of God has made me new. It has given me new life. It has given me newfound hope. has given me a reason to keep going. How many of you are like me, and you allow yourself to live in this wretched world, and allow this wretched world to take up too much real estate in our mind? When we watch the news, when we look at social media, when we see things going on in the world that we don't agree with, how many of you are like me? And allow yourself to demand justice for even the tiniest transgressions that someone has committed against you. Things have to be fair. And in the pursuit of fairness, which by the way, will never happen on earth. We can stomp all over some very amazing grace. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, Peter asks a question that Jesus answers uh, with a parable. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 10,000 talents. This was not an insignificant loan. This was the equivalent of millions of dollars. Perhaps this servant had come to the king with some kind of business venture, and and he needed some startup capital, but the business was a failure. You know, in, in Bristol right now, there are, there are some people who are gathering investors to turn the old Bristol Mall, the old Bristol Mall I used to work at when I was a teenager, to turn that old Bristol Mall into a casino and that's an effort that will surely cost billions of dollars. Can you imagine the bottomless pit of debt that they could be in if that venture were to fail? I, I don't know if this was the situation of the servant. But I do know that the servant had greatly overextended himself with this loan. Perhaps a loan so large that it could have only been issued by the king. And and now he was a wretch in need of salvation. And the king knew the reality. The, The king knew that this servant would never be able to pay him back. The debt was too large. And he knew that he could have killed him or put him in jail, or like he said, sold him and his family and all of his possessions, but the debt still would not have been paid. So the king chose grace, and he forgave the wretch of a servant. But then we read in verse 28, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. A hundred denarii, his his fellow servant owed him about a week's paycheck. Not not that big of a deal compared to the millions that this man had owed. And yet, look at how he approaches him. You know, he didn't go and say, you know, hey man, this is kind of awkward. Are you going to ever be able to pay me back or can we work something out? It says he left straight from his master's quarter, straight from the king, found this fellow servant, seized him, and began to choke him, and said, pay me what you owe. I demand fairness, I demand equity, I demand justice, I demand to have what is mine, you wretch. In looking around our country lightly, in watching news, in looking at social media, does this scene seem sickeningly familiar? And what hurts the most is when we see believers, believers who understand that God's grace saved wretches like us from a debt that we can never pay, now engaging in the bitterness, hatefulness, and sadness that that others in the world seem to be spewing. Pay me what you owe. I demand fairness. I demand equity and justice. And what is mine? Besides this parable, what else does Jesus tell us about showing grace to others? Well, if we go to Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has a lot to say about it. In fact, if you start at verse 38, he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And someone might say, now there we go. That is fair. That is justice. Someone took something from me, and now I'll take something from them. That is fairness. But then Jesus, of course, says in verse 39, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. Wait a second, Jesus. Allow someone to hit me twice? That isn't fair. That is not justice. And Jesus says, no, that's grace. And that's how we become peacekeepers. In verse 40, it says, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Well, hold on, Jesus. You're saying that someone now has unjustly taken my personal property, and I'm supposed to give them more than what they asked for? That doesn't make sense. And Jesus says that's called grace. Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And this is talking directly about an abusive government which had set a law that said, a soldier could force any citizen to carry his gear for a mile. How unfair. You may be in the middle of your job, you may be in the middle of worship, you may be watching your children, you might be sleeping, you might be sick, and it would not matter because under penalty of law, you must carry this soldier's gear for a mile. And it was heavy and the march was slow And this is a clear example of a corrupt government actively abusing its citizens. And yet Jesus says, if this happens to you, you go two miles. (laughs) Wait a second, Jesus. are, Are you kidding me? We can't just allow the government to abuse us like that. You see, I demand fairness and equity and justice. I demand my freedoms. Jesus says, I demand grace. And I demand that my people be peacekeepers. Verse 42, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Okay, hold on a second, Jesus. Give, don't, don't, don't refuse anyone. E- even the one that I know isn't going to pay me back. E- even the one who has abused my trust before. Um, even the government who is going to waste my money and use it for immoral purposes, even that, because that's just not fair. Be a peacemaker. Give grace. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, this makes sense to me, right? This makes sense because I I love the people who love me. I love my fellow Christians. I love my fellow UT fans, and I love everyone in my social circle. I love those who make the same amount of money as me. I love those who dress like me, people who live in my neighborhood. I love those who believe like me, and I sure do love those people who vote like me. But I hate people. I hate people who hate me, right? I hate terrorists. I hate other countries that wish to harm our country. I, as a UT fan, I hate those Alabama fans. I hate people who are different from me because they probably hate me too. You know, I hate people who make a lot more money than me because they're greedy, but I also hate hate people who make less money than me because they're lazy. And I hate people who dress worse than me because they have no sense of pride or self-respect. And I also hate people who dress better than me because they're pretentious. And I hate people who don't live in my neighborhood because I just can't trust them. And I hate people who don't worship like me because they're obviously being blasphemous on purpose. And I really, really, really hate people who don't vote the same way I do. Because they obviously are terrorists who wish harm and the worst for our country. And that's only fair. And Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the just, on the evil, and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus says, I don't care about what fair is. I, don't care. I, I care about what is righteous. I care about grace. I care about my people keeping the peace. In fact, earlier in the Beatitudes, to start Matthew chapter 5, he mentioned several aspects of showing grace. Grace. In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed are the meek. Meekness, having the ability, having the the power and the strength to react, but choosing not to. Years ago, I took the youth group to a youth rally and the the speaker of the hour started off by listing a pretty impressive resume uh, of of him being a tough guy. (laughs) He was a tough guy. Uh, He held a black belt in at least a couple of different martial arts. He was on the SWAT team for the police. Um, He spent a lot of time in the gym working out, and it was apparent because this guy was physically uh, imposing, just a powerful man. And he called for a volunteer, he called for a young man to volunteer and join him on stage. And uh, he told the young man that he was going to show everyone the best way to defuse a hostile situation. And he said what he needed the young man to do was to try and slap him as hard as he could in the face, and he was going to peacefully defuse this situation. You know, I'm sure that many who were in the youth group at the time still remember this because we were all waiting uh, just, just to see what kind of martial arts move he was gonna use to, 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 to keep him from getting slapped. And, and, and as the kid geared up to slap him, the man said, now stop stop. I can already tell you're holding back. And this is not going to work unless you really try to slap me hard. If you don't try to slap me hard, what I'm trying to do isn't going to work. So I just, I need you to trust me and I need you to try your hardest to slap me as hard as you can. And so the young man started again. And this time, man, he really let loose with a powerful slap. And the speaker stood there and did nothing And allowed himself to be slapped in the face and every single person in the auditorium's jaw was on the floor he let the kid slap him and the kid turned about as white as a ghost he was so scared he wanted to show us meekness Because he had just listed his resume. He had every ability to stop that slap from happening. He had all the training in the world to keep him from getting slapped in the face. He was twice the size of this kid, way stronger than this young man. He wasn't showing weakness, he was showing meekness. And as Christians, meekness is not weakness, We can acknowledge that perhaps we've been treated unfairly. We can acknowledge that things aren't right sometimes. We can acknowledge things aren't going our way. But meekness says, even though I have the ability to do something about this, even though I can cut you to shreds on social media, even though I can really tear you apart with my words because you wronged me, I choose grace. I choose to be the peacemaker. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. The people who show mercy are the people who will obtain mercy. Pretty simple. The unforgiving servant didn't show mercy to his fellow servant, and therefore mercy wasn't shown to him. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The the peacemakers, the ones who don't engage those internet trolls, the ones who allow themselves to be walked on and abused, the ones who allow themselves to be humiliated and slapped in the face to defuse and to stop the argument, those are the children of God. Those Those are who Jesus identifies as God's children. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because when you allow yourself to be persecuted in order to keep peace, in order to give grace to others, when you allow yourself to be abused, and when the world would tell you, hey, you have every, you have every right to fight back, now you have learned how to live in the kingdom. You have now learned grace. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And this is what's going to happen to us. And I acknowledge that there seems to be a large faction in our country that wishes to silence Christian voices and to disenfranchise Christian voices. And that is without a doubt. And there has always been this faction, and there always will be that faction. That same faction tried to silence Daniel by throwing him into the lion's den, but his message prevailed. That same faction tried to silence Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by throwing them into a furnace, and their message prevailed. The same faction tried to kill Jesus when he was just a baby, and his message prevailed. Same faction killed John the Baptist. John the Baptist, what a crushing blow, right? How can Christianity continue without the forerunner of Christ? And the message prevailed. And the same faction murdered Christ. The same faction killed disciples. The same faction martyred many in the church. And they actively sought out and murdered Christians solely because they worshiped God. And here we are. 2,000 years later and the message continues to prevail. They can't stop it. As Jesus was riding into the Jerusalem, he said, you know what? If everyone stopped proclaiming my name, these rocks would proclaim the message. The message will prevail. We can't stop it. No one can stop it. And that same faction is alive and prevalent today. And if we have opportunities with our votes and other civil opportunities to limit that kind of influence, then by all means, we of course take those opportunities. But aside from that, we allow the persecution to happen. We don't become overcome by evil. We take the example of Jesus, who could have called 10,000 angels to save him from the cross. In fact, while being interrogated by Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom isn't of this world. And therefore, my followers aren't going to respond to this kind of behavior in a worldly manner. They are going to fight. They understand that to be a peacemaker, that to show amazing grace... We must endure amazing injustices. Jesus did. He died a completely unjust death, betrayed by a close friend, railroaded by corrupt uh, religious leaders, and crucified by an even more corrupt government. And he did nothing. And that's why his grace was so amazing. Because he could have, and he didn't. I noticed a tweet this morning from actress Patricia Heaton. She said something to the effect of uh, if you're a common sense person, you probably don't feel like you have a home in this world right now. And if you are a Christian, you know that you were never meant to. We aren't of this world. And we don't respond. And when we don't respond with grace and mercy and peacekeeping, we're only announcing to the world that we are of this world and that we intend to fight them in the same way that they fight us. But we aren't of this world, and we were never intended to be. And as the weeks and the months progress, we're gonna be presented with plenty of opportunities to to tell the world if we're fighting for a worldly kingdom or or if we're fighting for a kingdom that isn't of this world. And if we're fighting for a kingdom that is of this world, then we have to fight with and and like all the other people in this world. We've, We've got to engage them in social media, and we've got to yell louder than they yell at us, and we've got to break things, and we've got to hurt people, and we've got to resort to physically fighting. But if we're fighting for a kingdom that isn't of this world, we show amazing grace. We allow ourselves to be the ones who are wronged. We allow ourselves to be the victims of injustice, we allow ourselves to be humiliated because that's what Jesus did. That's exactly what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, a, a passage that Tim referenced in his lesson this morning. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our job isn't to avenge. That's God's job. He'll take care of the justice. Our job is to overcome evil with good. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Tim had a wonderful lesson this morning about how we are to be the light of the world and drive out the darkness in the world. That's our job. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. We can't end hate in the world by putting more hate on it. All we can do is love. At the end of the Civil War, one of the most hideous blights on American history a, a tragic time that split families and killed Americans in cold-blooded bitterness and hatred Abraham Lincoln had the job of reconstructing a devastated south and the questions were asked what should be done with the south should we should we lock up all the so- southerners who were who were uh, for secession you know there's calls today from both parties from both sides to lock up to lock up people just because of how they voted or or their stances or their views. Lincoln's approach in Reconstruction was forgiveness. Our nation had been brought down by bitter fighting, crippled by war, and now the war was over and the only way a union was going to happen was through forgiveness, was through grace. Brothers and sisters, we have an example We have a standard, we have a command and responsibility to show grace to others, to show amazing grace to others, not just simple grace by letting something kind of insignificant pass. We're called to show the same amazing grace to others that has been shown to us. The same amazing grace that took us off the hook of an insurmountable debt. The same amazing grace that took us off a cross that was meant for us. even when it means we must suffer injustice. You know, the unforgiving servant, he was justified in seeking the money that he was owed, but grace would have caused him to learn injustice. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The question tonight is, have you attained that mercy? Have you obtained that amazing grace to save your wretched self? If you haven't haven't done that, you can do that through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. And you can do that tonight. Uh, Email one of the addresses on your screen right now, and we will make sure that you're taken care of either here in the Tri-Cities or or anywhere you may be listening from. And if you've obtained that amazing grace that has canceled your unpayable debt, and and yet you find yourself like that unforgiving servant, choking people, fighting people, berating people, and demanding that we get what we deserve. And we've forgotten about the grace that we owe one another. Let's change that tonight. Let us know. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. People of God, we can make this a better world by being peacekeepers and showing God's amazing grace.
1: So...
0: As we prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing, Why Did My Savior Come to Earth?
4: Jesus used the setting of the Passover supper to introduce to his disciples a a supper or memorial feast uh, that would be engaged in after his departure. And we can read about this institution uh, in, in Mark as well as in Luke, but I'm choosing to look at Mark 14, beginning in verse 22. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and gave it to them, and said, "Take this; this this is my body." And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they and they all drank of it. And he said to them, "This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many." Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. I'd like to look at that uh, last verse, of course. Um, as we think about this particular verse, of course, uh, Jesus, uh, his disciples may not have clearly understood everything about what would happen to Jesus as far as his his crucifixion and the shedding of blood and uh, his burial, and then of course his resurrection. And uh, certainly, he would physically not be be with his disciples, but he's certainly with us as we partake. Uh, bow with me now, Father. We're deeply grateful for. This bread, which represents the body of Jesus, certainly be with those that are partaking of it at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you for your son coming to this earth and living a life without sin and dying on the cross as he did. And we're thankful, Father, that we can be reminded of the blood shed on that occasion as we take of this fruit of the vine which represents that blood. In Jesus' name, Amen. Or take of the prayer for the uh, contribution. Uh, we're thankful, Father, for the many that uh, are giving as they have been giving uh, prior to the uh, this uh, coronavirus outbreak. We're just tremendously grateful for those that uh, bring their contribution here, or mail it in, or uh, do in other means are able to uh, get their contribution for the work that goes on at the church here. Let's let's bow again in prayer. Father, thank you again for each of us, for those that have jobs, uh, and for, again, the efforts that are put forth from this congregation to reach out, to teach others uh, in this community, and for the many good works that we're engaged in as far as the benevolence of food that's given out Uh, each week, and for the efforts to uh, help others in preaching the gospel in faraway places. Continue to bless us in these efforts. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that despite the circumstances, we're still able to worship you together. And we're so thankful for all the men and women in this congregation who, who continue to serve and contribute our ministers and, and our deacons and elders, our teachers, uh, and and the selfless service that they show towards the continued work of your church. Dear Lord, we, we've been living through a time of, of isolation away from each other, and we specifically want to pray for those who are in nursing homes, our brothers and sisters in long-term care facilities and, and in the prison system, dear Lord, who are who've been dealing with, with severe isolation from other brothers and sisters. And we pray that the day comes quickly where we can be back with them. And we pray that you give them strength and comfort and that, that they find leaning on, on you and the comfort that only you can give. Dear Lord, as we look at the world around us and we see the anxiety and confusion and stubbornness and hate, and we pray that we do not give in to that, dear Lord, but that we reflect the amazing grace that you've shown us. And we pray that our actions and our words will, will draw some of those people to, to know you, And to experience your grace, dear Lord, and and that healing can begin. And however the the world responds, dear Lord, we we know that we have a firm foundation in you. And we know that you are a constant and that all the promises and all the gifts you've given to us, dear Lord, they will always be there. And that we have something much greater than this world to look forward to. As we continue on uh, through this week, before we meet again, we pray that you will just be with us and protect us, dear Lord. And we're so thankful for your son, for his sacrifice, and for the forgiveness that we have through that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And that uh, concludes our worship service this evening.